Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Element City Church. Welcome to those of you joining us online. I was running late, so I ran up here. But uh, so glad to have you all here and those that are checking in and coming, making their way in, those tuning in online. We are thrilled to have you. If you are new with us, in fact, I've already met a few of you that are new. Welcome. We know it takes courage coming to a new place for the first time. And so uh, if you're online, Tommy and Laura are online hosts. They can help you with anything you need there. If you happen to be new, We'd love to invite you to download our free app. Just go to your app store. Element City Church is what you dial up. You can find that. And in there, like the third tile down, you'll see connection card. We'd love to connect with you. We know it takes courage doing that. I mean, it's kind of hard connecting to a new place. And so this is our way of kind of doing a little bit of a follow-up with you over the next few weeks, just a simple text or an email once a week uh, and to kind of help you find your place around here, answer questions as you go along. So you can do that, or you can text the word hello to our text number, which is 520-340-6868, and then just a couple quick texts after that, and we're good. Marriage Retreat, again, is coming up here in August. If you're a married couple here, we'd love to have you join us in August down in Tubac. Uh, it's a $50 deposit that saves your spot. You can read all about that in the events under the, in the app, and you'll find out all the details, and we'd love to have you join us as we join with Emmanuel Baptist Church. We did this last year, and the last couple of years, and so we're going to have a lot of fun uh, doing that there. And also, thank you for all of you who have been either online bringing in or sending in love offering stuff for Ukraine as we're making medical kits to send, and so a lot of you have been bringing in supplies. Uh, we are going to have a packing party uh, this Tuesday night in the gym. You're invited. Uh, if you want to help us pack some of those medical kits that will get shipped over in through Poland and then into Ukraine, uh, we would love to get that going here in the next week or so. So this Tuesday is a packing party. You'll hear more about that. And then the last thing to let you know about, we'll remind you, our after party in two weeks, uh, in March Madness style, we're going to have some food trucks. We'll have an inflatable basketball game. We'll have the games on outside right after service. And so we invite you to stick around in two weeks, the end of March, March 27th, hang out with us. We'll have a great time together. Think of it, tailgate party in the parking lot, March Madness style. Sound good? Okay, so we'd love to have you uh, join us tonight as we begin in prayer. And so if you're here in the room, stand up. If you're at home, I can't see if you stand up, but you could. Uh, and so we like to pray for the Church of the Week. We do this every week, and it's the Vineyard uh, Christian Church. This is uh, Chris DeHaan, a good friend of mine. And uh, we know it there's like a million-plus people that aren't connected into any faith community in the southern Arizona region, and we believe it takes the church, not just our church, but the church to make a difference. And so we want to pray for Vineyard, for Chris, and for our time tonight. So God, thank you so much that we get to hang out together that we get to gather online or here in the room, that, God, we get to center ourselves on you. And so we're just asking. Uh, we've all been in a pace of life where lots of things going on. Father, we're asking for the next hour and 15 minutes or so that we just settle into you, to hear from you, Holy Spirit. We pray for Chris and the leadership team at Vineyard. We pray your blessing over them as you've given them incredible leverage in the schools around them. They've been established for so many years. God, would you just bless them? Would you continue to expand their reach and impact uh, kind of west of the University of Arizona? 
Would you give them uh, favor uh, with the city officials that they work with and as they try to do some of the initiatives that they've been a part of? Would you provide for them in all aspects and bless their leadership and their impact for the kingdom for you? Would you continue to draw new people to them? And we pray that for ourselves tonight as we lean into your presence, as we worship you a little bit, as we look into your word, as we worship to end and close. God, we pray that tonight would be a night where we just experience your spirit in a way that refreshes each of our souls, wherever we are in our journey with you. Would you meet us specifically? Father, we want to be people of praise, and so this very first song, we dive in to praise you because you are worthy of every ounce of our energy and our praise and our focus and our attention for you, Jesus, all for you. to steal what you save saying I have no reason to praise I will give thanks oh I will give thanks when the roar that I hear is a voice of my fear trying to silence this hope in my heart I will give thanks come on do it with me oh I will give thanks this song of thanksgiving is my battle cry with joy is my weapon i stand and defy the lie of the dark with my hands lifted to the sky i will rejoice i will rejoice i will dance in your kindness to claim every asset speak your name oh i'll speak your name
to us, but to your name. We lift up all praise, not to us, but to your name. Okay. 
simply turn our eyes to you in this moment. And Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit would speak to human spirit in this moment through Jack as he comes to share from your word. As we look to you, God, would you speak to us? Would you open our ears to hear wonderful things from you? Would you open our eyes to see wonderful things in your word? We love you, Jesus. I pray all this in your holy and your precious name. Everyone said, amen. Great job. It's so good to worship together and to gather with you, whether you're here in the house, just to direct our attention in God's direction and, and just <clears throat> and see what he does. And that's what we've been praying for. We've been in this series the last couple weeks uh, called Follow, and it's this idea of just following after Jesus. And, and what does that mean? It means that you're, you're taking kind of next steps with him and after him, and, and the challenge and the invite for us is to keep taking those steps, no matter where you might be in that journey. For some of you tuning in on Online or maybe showing up for the first time, you might be here and you're like, you know, maybe through this pandemic, God's been stirring something up in your heart. You don't even know what it is, but you feel like life has got to be more than what you've been experiencing. You're trying to figure it out, and you're just kind of beginning to search things out. Maybe for some of you, like uh, some of us, have been walking with Jesus for a long time, and maybe you even get to the place where you feel like, I've arrived. <laughs> in this side of heaven, you don't arrive. And so there's always a next step for each of us in that. And so we began kind of this first week looking at the Genesis story of, of Matthew, one of those early followers of Jesus, where Jesus shows up in his life and says, Matthew, would you follow me? And he didn't really fully know who Jesus was, and he just began to take steps after him. And we kind of discovered this idea of like, um, being a sinner doesn't disqualify you from following Jesus. In fact, it's actually a prerequisite, because we all are. Uh, and we're all broken in that. In fact, most of the first century followers of Jesus weren't totally convinced about who he was until the end. And the resurrection is what proved to them that he is who he says he is, and it changed everything for them. So this idea of following Jesus, you know, we look at Peter's story and how Peter's enticed to kind of invite a little bit, okay, just hang around. Hey, could I borrow your boat? Hey, like, let down your nets. Hey, okay, leave everything and follow me. It's like there's this progression for Peter that in his next steps of following, that following after Jesus is kind of an all-skate. It's meant for everybody at different seasons and different places, but for each one of us to kind of take a step, we've been wrestling with this question, am I following? Am I intentionally, actively following? And that really is maybe the best question to ask yourself, especially if you call yourself a Christian or a follower of Jesus. It's not about just knowing things. It's not about just kind of checking things off a list. It's, it's am I actively following after him? And maybe uh, you're just investigating this, this Jesus person, and friend, you have a step. And it's okay to begin to experiment. What does it look like to, to step forward in that and to follow him? And last week, Lyle did a great job looking at this idea of when Jesus is directing his following, as he's challenging us to follow after him, it's to really take us someplace. And it isn't just to heaven. And it isn't just to have a better life. There, there's parts of that, and that's a beautiful benefit of it. But it's to actually help us live with a, a faith that is overwhelms our fear. We don't become trapped by that. It's this fear-not kind of faith. If you missed it, I encourage you to go back and look at that. He ended, and then kind of the takeaway was a fearless faith that trusts and follows after Jesus is the kind of faith that frees us to not live for the love of people, 
but it actually frees us to love people. And that is one of the challenges in the culture in which we all traverse. We're called to not just seek something out, but to actually be people who are able to be a light and to be a blessing. And so I want to pick up with that today and kind of take us on a journey through a couple passages and look at a couple different perspectives. There's a perspective of what Jesus says and a perspective of what the Apostle Paul picks up to say. And then we're going to take communion tonight. So if you're online, uh, you have some time to go get some elements for you to take. And listen, I've been in hotels where I've done Dr. Pepper and a Cheez-It. So it's fine. Um, but like if you're here, uh, we have some communion in the back tables so you can feel free to, to get up. It's okay. And go get that. We'll take that at the end of the message today. But I want to answer this question that we wrestle with a little bit. Um, <clears throat> what should Jesus followers, those who are following after Jesus, or those who are beginning to align their life with him, what should they wear? Like, what should be, maybe a different way of asking this, what should be like a distinguishing mark that would say, okay, those people are followers of Jesus. What should a follower of Jesus wear? And that may seem like a strange question, but it's, there is always something that distinguishes people who are following after something or someone, a look that kind of identifies them, and I'll prove it to you. So quick pop quiz. Um, I'm gonna show you a picture. You tell me who these people are. Okay, first one, Ivy. Who are these people? They're the cheese heads. They are fans of? The Green Bay Packers, how many are Packers fans here? Okay, how many of you don't eat cheese because you just don't like the Packers at all? Like, it's just, okay, that's a couple of you. So, like, you're, you know, like, maybe you're the Chicago Bears, and they just, they're arch rivals, or whatever that means. But we, we have a look with uh, different people. Uh, be thankful I didn't pick the Steelers, because that's my team. But we don't, we just black and gold, that's kind of our look. Anyway, um, but this idea, okay, next one. Maybe, U of A, okay. Um, how many of you watched last night? Exciting times. They're in the South region now, if you didn't know that. Uh, spoiled, spoiler alert. Um, but like, we're excited for that, and I, I think they got a real shot. I wore my you know, Kerr headband last night, and I'm gonna wear that the entire time because I think we actually have a chance, and I'm, I'm rooting for us. So that's the idea. So we have, uh, this next one is just for one person in the room. It's for you, Lyle. It's for you. Uh, this is uh, this is man, and so let's see, Manchester United. I'd want to say man the other one because I know that would be bad. Uh, so like Manchester United. Uh, for those of you who live in America, this is a sport called soccer, um, football. Uh, it's the world's most popular sport. They say, uh, who cares? We're in the United States. Okay, so. But I know Lyle cares, and I didn't want him to feel left out. Okay, so, uh, but we, it's not just sports fans who identify with kind of a mark of what they wear, a distinguishing thing. Uh, there's also occupations. We have a couple of these people. Next ones. Look, Kevin, I picked Tucson Fire. So, like, we have some people that are firefighters. We have some medical staff, nurses, and doctors. So that this is kind of what you do, and you kind of have a distinguishing attire that you wear. This okay, that person's like a firefighter. That person's like in the medical field. Like, we identify those things. Uh, we even have this in religion, if you think about it. So the next one, someone's Atari phone went off, um, but like. Buddhist, okay? So, like, we, we have monks that in, in their attire kind of says, okay, this is what they identify with. This is what they're affiliated to. 
And so back to the question that we started with. What should followers of Jesus wear? What should be the distinguishing mark? Is it, is it literally something that they wear? Is it a vest? Like, could we all have cool, like, Mr. Rogers sweater vest? You know, what should be the identifying mark of that? And, and I want to look at what the Apostle Paul talks about as he writes this letter to the church in Colossae. And, and he kind of talks about this idea of what we're to wear, but he's actually picking up where he's going to go actually from a conversation that Jesus has with his earliest followers where he's kind of saying, look, like the bottom line, here's what I want you to wear. Here's the distinguishing mark that I have for you. And, and Paul's going to pick up on that. But, well, I want to give you a little bit of a side note on Paul. So if you're tuning in or if you're here, maybe you're new to faith and you're kind of beginning to figure this out. When we talk about the Apostle Paul, who wrote uh, about half of the New Testament. So if you're reading through any part of the New Testament, you come apart it, like it says the Apostle Paul, like that that's him. But he didn't come into the world as the Apostle Paul, okay? That wasn't his story. In fact, if you know a little bit of his backstory, it actually becomes pretty amazing. He actually came into the world as Saul from Tarsus. And that's how he began, and he was a Pharisee. So he's in the Jewish religion, and he was one of the Pharisees, one of the highest educated, most devout kind of followers of Judaism. And that was his story. And then this story of Jesus began to circulate and the story of Christianity after the resurrection really began to take off and take root. And, and Saul of Tarsus was like, this is a no-no. In fact, he began to hunt Christians. So like if you're here and you hate Christians, like you would have gotten along with Saul because he hated Christians too. And so like he was against Christians. In fact, in his own words in the book of Acts, so we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, that's the four gospel accounts, kind of the biographies of Jesus, talk about his life, his teaching, his death, his resurrection. And then there's this book called Acts, A-C-T-S, and Luke writes that and he talks about, he's kind of understanding, okay, after Jesus ascended back to heaven, here's how the early church began, and here's the stories of the early church. And one of those stories you can read about in Acts chapter 26 is Paul, who's hunting Christians to throw them in jail and actually oversee their death. So that's Saul's story as he starts, and he's doing that, he's hunting Christians until he becomes one. And he has this encounter with Jesus through this vision that totally radically changes his life. And he goes from hunting Christians to planting churches for Christians. Like, if that isn't part of the evidence of the impact of Jesus, I don't know what is. Because this dude was out to take this little sect of deviation from Judaism off the planet. That's what he wanted to do. Until he met Jesus and he changed his life and all of a sudden he spends the rest of his life planting these churches all upon the Mediterranean rim. Small church after small church after small church and leading people to say, listen, something happened in Jerusalem and you have to know and hear the story of Jesus and he has changed my life and he can change yours and he's planting church after church after church and for years traveling all around this region and then he begins writing some of these letters back to the churches. And as Paul's writing these letters back, he's beginning to unpack some of this reality of things. See, Paul didn't spend time with Jesus, but he spent time with the people who did spend time with Jesus. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, Peter, uh, Mary. Like, he was spending time with them after his conversions. And so he got the teachings of Jesus from the people who actually got the teachings from Jesus. 
and he's hanging out with them, and it's beginning to change his life. And one of the primary teachings of Jesus, the Apostle Paul is going to drill down on in a letter to Colossae. But I want to look at the letter, or I want to look at that point of what he's going to drill down on, because Jesus is actually the one who said it first. And Paul's going to give a different expression to it, maybe a deeper understanding, more roots to what Jesus unpacks. And so you have to understand, toward the end of Jesus' time on earth, he's gathered his, his young followers around him, his disciples. A disciple is a follower. That's what it is. And so it's kind of this young apprentice, this apprentice who is apprenticing their life under this rabbi Jesus. And so Paul's learning about that encounter. Jesus gathers his disciples around and says, listen, I have a new command for you, which is like, should ding a little bit of light. Who's the one who gives commands? In the Old Testament, take a wild guess who gave 10 commands. Take it, it's, this, is, this is the church answer. God, yeah, God gives the commands. So here, Jesus is saying, I have a new command for you, which should be like light bulbs going off, like whoa, whoa, who gives commands? God gives commands. Jesus is saying, okay, listen, I am God and I have a new command for you. I want you to love one another. All right, preacher guy, love one another. I've heard that since I was like in preschool. Love one another, that's what we're to do. No, no, no. You're only hearing half the saying. See, Jesus didn't stop there. He gathered his young followers around, his early disciples, and he said, listen, here's the command I have for you. Of all the things I've said, here's what I want you to get. Here's the bottom line. Let me drill it down for you. I want you to love one another. And then he goes on. As I have loved you, you are now to love one another. See, that's different than just love the people that love you back. We're Americans. We do that really easy. You love me and you treat me well, well then I'll love you and treat you well. But see, that's not what Jesus said. Don't love the people that just love you. Anybody can do that. In fact, it was Jesus who said, love your enemies. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, that's different. As I have loved you, you are to love one another. You are to one another the way I have one anothered you. Matthew, do you remember when I called you to follow me? Remember when I walked up and Peter was like all hot and bothered that we was even talking to you because you're a tax collector and you were working for Rome. You were one of the traitors. And I said, Matthew, why don't you follow me? And Peter was ready to spit on you. And I told him he couldn't do that because he was actually, you're going to be join our posse now and you're going to be one of us. And, and he was pretty hot and pretty mad. But something began to change as you began to step out. See, Matthew, do you remember how you felt that day when I picked you? I loved you first. Remember how you felt? That, that right there is how I want you to love these guys here. See, you don't just love the way you want to be loved. You're to love one another as I have loved you. In fact, he goes on, by this kind of love, this kind of love is the way everyone's going to know that you're one of my followers. In other words, Jesus is saying, 
This is the mark. This is the distinguishing mark that is to identify you as a follower of Jesus. It's not a Mr. Rogers sweater vest. It's not a foam finger, Jesus number one. It's, it's the way you love one another. As I have loved you, you're to love one another. That's how people are going to know that you're my followers. This is the only time Jesus says this. And so he's wanting to drill home for people to get. And, and I don't want you to miss it because it's really easy in religious settings to have this drift away from relationship and in toward kind of the ritualistic kind of things that we can just check off the list. In fact, that's one of the, the dangers of religion, one of the, the, the tipping points of the struggles of religion, any religion. We'll just pick on Christianity because we're kind of in the room. But the idea of Christianity, that religions have this gravitational pull away from treating people well and towards some kind of routine or ritual that you have to maintain or take. The gravitational pull of religion is always toward rule-keeping rather than relationship building. It's easy to drift that way, and I'm telling you why, because it's easier to control. See, I can control the list that I make, and I can control the rituals that I do, and I can check those off the box, and I can get those checked off the box even by hating you. And I don't have to tolerate you, and I don't have to even like you. And I can do these things because that shows God I love him. God, I went to church. I gave money. I served. I helped that old lady. I did these things. Look at me. Yeah, but you hate your brother. Whoa, whoa, don't look at that. I did these things. I'm checking off the list. That's how I maintain control. And see, if it's just about rituals and not relationships, I can hate you and be okay on the God side of things. But the problem is, Jesus didn't leave it on just the God side of things. In fact, it was Jesus who said, in Matthew 22, you can go read it for yourself. You want to know what the greatest commandment is? You're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And you're to love your neighbor as yourself. Not if you feel like it, if you get around to it. It's not a comma. It's not a semicolon. Jesus linked these together about relationship and how we relate. And to give you a little bit of breath here. It's okay to love everybody and you don't have to like everybody. See, we're called to love. Doesn't mean I have to like everyone. But I'm called to love. And that's action-oriented and it's a challenge. See, some of you may have been mistreated in the name of Jesus because you got caught up in just the religious cycle of rituals and routines. And your relationship was there and you got run over by people in a, in a spiritual context who just kind of took advantage of you or just cast you aside. And if that's you, if that's your story, I'm sorry that happened. I really am. I wish it wasn't that way. I think that's why some people give up on church. I think that's why some people give up on religion. It's because in some way, shape, or form, they, they were around, they bumped into people with a, a bumper sticker of Christian who said, well, nah, I love God, and I do these things for him, but I hate you. 
And, and see, Jesus says, no, no, see, it's not like that. It's, it's not gonna play out that way. See, what you are to wear, what's to be the distinguishing mark, it's not a sweater, it's not a foam finger. It, it's the way you love. It's the way you love God. And it's the way you love people. Let me be really, really clear, Jesus is saying. The thing that's gonna distinguish you, the thing that should be stamped on your behavior, stamped on your lifestyle, is the way you love people. I'm not asking you to love them the way they deserve to be loved. I'm asking you to love them the way I have loved you. Jesus, that's hard. Yeah. Yes, it is. But that's the way I loved you. And so this is the reality of what's going on. And see, it's easy to confess that even in Christianity, it's easy to drift toward disciplines over discipleship. I'm gonna do the disciplines. I'm, I'm gonna go to church weekly. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give. Uh, I'm gonna read the Bible. I'm gonna pray. And I could check that off a list. And those are good things, necessary things. But if I just make it about those, and, and then I can mistreat people, or I can ignore people, or I can walk right over people. If it's just about the ritual and not the relationship, and Jesus said, no, it's gonna be about loving God and loving people. I want the distinguishing mark of you as a follower of me to be the way you love people. That's how people are gonna know. Wow. And then 22 years after that, conversation Jesus has with his disciples and then he's going to actually show them and he's going to go to the cross. He's going to die in their place. He's going to rise again. We're going to celebrate a remembrance of that. Because Jesus said, I want you to love as I've loved you. Then he goes and shows it. This is how much I love you. And 22 years after that is when Saul of Tarsus has this encounter with Jesus. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus, the one you're persecuting. And he goes blind for three days. And he had a Jesus, like a, literally a come to Jesus moment. And it changed the total trajectory of his life. And he went from one who hunts Christians to the one who plants churches and wrote half of your New Testament in your Bible. Because Jesus changed his life. And he began to understand, okay, how do I help people understand that the big thing of what Jesus talked about, this conversation that he had with his disciples, like for the Gentile believers, that's probably most of us. That's how you got here is because the message of Jesus got translated down to other Gentile followers of Jesus throughout the world and someone bumped into your life and it changed you or maybe you're on a trajectory where it's beginning, you're getting more curious about it. And, and Paul's saying, okay, how do, I, how do I break this down for people? And so he begins to write these letters to say, look, uh, this idea of loving people, which sounds like a bumper sticker, a bumper sticker, love people. Okay, well, what does that actually look like in real life? How do I begin to live that out? How do I begin to wear that in a way that it begins to have an impact in the people around me? And so Paul comes around and he writes this letter to church in Colossae in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 through 14. Here's what it says. If you want to follow along, you can open up the, the app and go to sermon notes. All of the notes are in there. And this is what he says. 
Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, meaning you've been made holy because of Jesus and his sacrifice, what he did for you, and because you're dearly loved by him, if he, in fact, he's proven to you how much you're worth to him, how valuable you are to him. In fact, he went all the way to the cross for you. Because you are dearly loved, you are now to clothe yourself. There's the clue. Here's what you're to wear, he's saying. Here's what you're to wear. You're to clothe yourself. I want you to wear this. It's not a new Christian t-shirt. Those are cool sometimes. Some of them are dumb. Let's be honest, okay? Some of them are dumb. Um, but he's saying, I'm not going to get a t-shirt and issue that out for all my followers. I don't want you to be known by what shirt you wear or a foam finger. Here's how I want you to be known. Paul's kind of saying, okay, here's what Jesus said. Let me kind of spread it out and expand it a little bit for you to get handles too. You're to clothe yourself with compassion and with kindness and with humility gentleness, patience. It goes on in the next verse to, with this forgiveness of one to another and ultimately with this love that unifies it together, this idea of compassion. Compassion, when we say to someone, hey, I love you with all my heart. In a Greek context, the word compassion here is a Greek word that actually is two words mushed together. And it's kind of like what we understand in our American language of, I love you with all my heart. But it's grosser than that. Because in the Greek language, it's literally, I love you with all of my bowels. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and you know this to be true. You can love someone with all your heart. In fact, if you're from the South, you say, oh, bless your heart. That's not a kind thing. <laughs> oh, bless your heart, you idiot. <laughs> That's really what that means. <laughs> if you're from the South, you get it. Um, so we say, I love you with all my heart, but what we know, see, if you're a parent and your kid is hurt, it's more than just your heart that's moved, isn't it? Like the, the whole part of the innermost part of you is moved and you would do anything to take the pain away from them and you to carry it. You would literally do, you'd move heaven and earth if you could. You don't want to see them suffer. You're moved. That's what that word compassion means. The most described emotion of Jesus when you read through the gospel accounts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is that the most described emotion of Jesus is that he was moved with compassion. He was moved at the innermost parts of who he was for people. He saw people as harassed and helpless. They needed a shepherd. He was moved. I know a lot of Christians or people who wear the bumper sticker Christian who yell at people to move but I can't tell you the last time they've been moved for people. Paul's saying, listen, you're to love. As Jesus loved you, you're to love. And what does that look like? It's compassion. It's to love someone at the very deepest level, to be moved by them, to clothe yourself with compassion and kindness. Kindness is when you loan your strength to someone else. You've experienced kindness. It's when you couldn't maybe do something for yourself or it was a struggle to maybe do it and someone else did it on your behalf and it's like they loaned you part of their strength. 
and, and you benefited from that. You're to put on humility, which humility is this idea of having a proper perspective of yourself. It's not thinking of yourself less, or thinking less of yourself. It's thinking about yourself less. It's having a proper perspective that, hey, I'm no different than you, and you're no different than me. Do you think our race relations would be better in our world if we just live with that kind of humility? I'm no different than you. I got a different tone. Maybe I burn more easy, maybe I don't. But we're the same. The creator of the heavens and the earth knows your name, he knows my name too. That's what makes us special. It's not how much money you have, how much talent you have. Listen, the person sitting next to you probably has more talent than you. Yeah. But the person on the other side, you may have more talent than them. You may have more money, you may have more reach, more impact, more leverage, but the person behind you might have more than you. And so it's easy in our cultural context to, to fall into the game where we begin to measure things that way instead of saying, no, we're the same. We're all born into this world naked. That's how you got here, remember that. And we don't have control over where we were born or who we are born to. And we certainly don't have most of the control of when we die. And so we're kind of all loved by God the Father. That's what makes us special, and I can be humble enough to own that. Uh, Paul goes on, he says, I want you to be gentle. And gentleness is this idea of decision to respond to you in light of where your strengths and weaknesses are. I'm not gonna just approach you with, here's my strength, and I don't care where you are. I'm actually gonna, I'm gonna meet you at your level, not in a condescending way, but in a way that you can receive, in a way that we can relate and then we can have common ground. I'm gonna meet you with gentleness. I'm gonna meet you with patience. Patience is deciding to go at the speed of the other person, not your speed. Wow, this is tough for Americans, especially type A. I'm gonna go at my speed. Keep up if you can. <laughs> so I'm gonna be patient with you which means I'm gonna go at your speed, and I'll meet you where you're at, and we're gonna take next steps together. That doesn't mean you can't be type A, better, but you better be one who tows people along instead of bulldozes over. And so it's this idea of I'm gonna go at your speed. I'm gonna live in this patience. This is what Paul is saying. I want you to live with forgiveness, he says. And I don't want you to forgive just the way, I want you to forgive the way you've been forgiven by Jesus. See, that's where this all started. And over all of that, I want you to put on love. It's kind of like love is this overcoat that we put on and everything else fits inside of that. Where love is this umbrella and everything else hangs from inside of it. I think Paul gives us a great description of this love and what it actually looks like when you wear it well. So here's the challenge, the invite for you tonight, for all of us. Two things. One, of that list that Paul gives, this idea of the patience and the gentleness, the compassion, the kindness, the forgiveness, the love, which one do you think God's saying, hey, tap, 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 
I want to work on that inside you. In fact, we got some work to do with you on that one. Which one is that for you? And just you and God kind of contemplate that together. God, what's that one for me that you want to work on in me? That I would wear it better. I would be known by identified and it's a distinguishing mark of my life is that I would, I would love the way Jesus loved me and, and the way he meet me and the way he was patient with me and he was gentle with me and he forgave me and he was compassionate to me. I want to be that kind of person to the people around me. See, that's the difference Jesus made in your life if you're a follower of Jesus and he can make a difference through your life when you live that way. And so what Jesus is saying, hey, the distinguishing mark, not a foam finger, not a sweater, it's the way you love. Paul says, okay, listen, let me give you some other handles of what that could look like. Are you gentle with people? Are you patient? Are you kind? Are you forgiving? Are you compassionate? This is how everyone will know that you're a follower of Jesus. As I have loved you, you are to love one another. We're to love like Jesus loved. How did he love? He loved us even when we were not lovable. He loved us all the way to the cross. He suffered so that you would not be separated from a holy and perfect God. He made a way for you to know God and for experience his love personally and permanently. He gave up his life as a sacrifice for your brokenness and your sin. And he extends forgiveness first. He went first because he wanted to love first. And his resurrection accomplished what you could never work for or attain on your own. And that's why Jesus calls us to the table. And as we take communion, as we end our night singing about the reckless love of God, I want you to lean into that. Jesus said, I I want the distinguishing mark of your life that as I have loved you, you're to love one another. That's what's to mark your life. How did I show you that? Well, I went all the way to the cross for you. And so every time we gather, as we take communion, we remember that it's the sacrifice of Jesus that makes a way for us to have a right relationship with God. It's his invitation that meets us. It's his reckless love that intersected your life at just the right time. And you might be here and and maybe you've never gone forward in your faith with Jesus. We're actually building to a baptism Sunday, the Sunday after Easter. And we're gonna celebrate people saying yes to Jesus. And if that's you, like you've never said yes to Jesus, then I'm just giving you fair warning now. You got like five weeks to get ready. Because I think Jesus is calling for you to say yes to him. And he would love to see you go public with that. See, that's what Jesus did for you. He went public all the way to the cross to say, I love you too much to let you stay separated from me. And so as we take communion, we remember, as you open here in a moment, I'm gonna put this verse back up on the screen, Colossians 3, this love. And here's what I want you to do, is just to take 30 seconds, read through that again for yourself, and go, God, 
I want to thank you for the way that you were compassionate to me or the way that you showed kindness to me, the way your humility met me, the way your gentleness burst into my life, the way you were patient with me, the way you forgave me, the way you loved me. How did Jesus impact your life? And maybe you're not there yet, but maybe you're beginning to connect some dots in your past, and maybe God's actually been a whole lot more active in your life than you even realized or gave him credit for. How are you beginning to see his expression in your life? And then when you're ready, in about 30 seconds, contemplate, pray into that, then I'm gonna invite you to take that bread and remember it's Jesus' body that he, he gave up for you. And then to take that juice and drink that as a remembrance that it was his blood that was shed on your behalf, that you could have a right relationship with God, not based on your merit, but based on what he accomplished on the cross and ultimately the resurrection that said the check cleared. Forgiveness is yours. And so God, we're just praying in this next minute as we prepare to sing, as we prepare to take communion, God, would you show us how your compassion and kindness and gentleness, your patience, your forgiveness met us, meets us, calls to us. Jesus, you said, do this in remembrance of me. That as I have loved you, you are to love one another. And the cross calls us to, to fully grasp and wrestle with the reality of how you loved us and how much you loved us. So you take a moment to pray. When you're ready, take communion. And then we're going to sing together as we close out tonight. Before I 
took a breath, you breathed your life in me. You have been so, so kind to me.
We just want to thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, a few things before we take off. Uh, we do giving a little bit differently around here. So if this is your first time, there's kind of some metal boxes that are uh, back by the door. You can uh, drop it inside the box there. Most of our folks give online. That's through the app. So if that's one of you who gives uh, and helps support the church, we just want to say thank you. Uh, it means everything that you're able to invest into the kingdom of God uh, and to, to help us really live on mission. So one of the ways that we've been doing that, we started this last week, is um, we're collecting medical supplies for Ukraine uh, to send some medical medical kits over there. And so there's a green bucket on the stage here. If you've got extra cash that you want to drop in there to give towards that, you can. Uh, if you want to collect any of the supplies, there's also uh, flyers in the back that you can pick those up. We'll be doing that for another week. And as Jack said, we'll also be packing those uh, come this Tuesday at 6.30 in the evening, right behind here in the, the gym that's behind us. Um, so we'll be doing that. That means if you're part of the college Bible study, guess what you got suckered into doing? That's right. You'll be packing medical kits with us as well. So uh, yeah, we've got discipleship groups that are getting ready to start. So if you're part of one of those discipleship groups and you're looking to get a book, we do have a couple books tonight. So if you want to pick those up, you can. Otherwise, they'll be available on Amazon. But we also have our e-groups that are always going on. So you can talk to Amy at the Next Steps table if you want to find out more about all of that. So uh, real quickly, we are doing dinner tonight at Barl's Pizza. So that's the one that's up on, was it Wilmot's between Speedway and Broadway. And so uh, someone told me that someone has already purchased a bunch of pizzas and wings. So if you want free dinner, go to Barl's Pizza in like 15 minutes or so. Start heading that direction. Uh, I don't know exactly what time that's all going to be set out, but Barl's Pizza, free pizza and wings. Uh, I don't know how many. I know that last time we did this, there's like so much leftover. So... You have no excuse not to come hang out and get to know a couple people after things are done. So uh, last thing too, Jack is gonna be back at that 10 minute party. So if this is your first night here, we've got the best kettle corn this side of the Grand Canyon that is waiting back there for you just for going back there to say hello. And if you're online, I'm sorry. We'll one of these days, we'll find something that we can send to you. Uh, but you can still fill out that connection card and get connected with us as well. Same thing that's going to happen at the back. So let me pray for us as we get going. Uh, Father, we want to thank you for tonight and thank you for the work that you want to do in our hearts. God, you have called us to love all people. And that's not easy for us to be able to do that. We will need a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit every single day so that that love can overflow from our hearts the way that it was always intended to. And so even in moments where we're around people that we don't necessarily like, or they're on that last bit of nerve, God, would you help us to love them the way that uh, you would have called us to do so. But most of all, God, we're thankful that we're wildcats. We're not sun devils, not in this room. We still will love the Sun Devil fans, God. We may not like them, but we will love them. But we pray for victory this week for the Cats as they take on uh, whoever it's going to be. We still have to wait and see come Tuesday or Wednesday night, God. But give the Cats victory, pray it in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. amen.